0: This is the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Trevor. Affectionately, Paul. Paul, happy Valentine's Day. How are you doing? I'm (laughs) doing great. Happy Valentine's Day to you, too. Feeling
1: very warm and fuzzy this morning. Well, good. We, for
0: once, are here to talk about our love for books. Yes. You know, we thought maybe it was time. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of a, a shocker episode for everyone, I think. Yeah, we tried to tried to come up with some some love that we have for books. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how much we have to say. <laughs> Probably yeah. not not you know, not more than several hours worth if exactly. we really <laughs> didn't if we didn't edit it down, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well before we begin I did want to thank a new Patreon subscriber. Pete O'Connor uh, subscribed at the $1 level. Thank you so much, Pete. Um, just as a reminder for folks on Patreon, we do uh, bonus episodes that are, you know, just kind of random. We, we try not to like burn through ideas we would have for the mainline podcast. Um, but we talk a lot more about what we're reading, things like that on the bonus episodes, but everybody who subscribes gets access to those. It's not just at a certain tier. Um, and then, people on Patreon also get our episodes on Tuesdays rather than on Thursdays. So a little bit early, not, you know, I don't know how much of a perk that is. If you like things on Tuesday, um, you know, great. There's not much going for Tuesday in general. Exactly. So. It needs a little help. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh that's something that I think is kind of fun. And we, we like to try to do as much as we can. And usually it works out just fine. So yeah. thanks so much, Pete. We hope you enjoy those perks and, uh, anybody else who wants to subscribe, it's patreon.com slash mooksmo k s e. Um, pretty easy to find. And we of course link to it in the newsletter and things like that. So thank you uh, very much, Pete. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah it's 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 it it is very much appreciated. Um, we we use these these funds for the, to put back into the show. And one thing I'll I'll just let people know I actually found a much cheaper option for the website much cheaper and more stable and faster oh nice so seems like that might be worth it we we'll, you know <laughs> so there will be a little bit more of the money to to put back into other parts of the of the show so Thanks again, everybody who subscribes on Patreon. Thanks everybody who's listening in general. We we love doing this. We need to do a little bit more. Uh, we we've we've been really good in the past at engaging with our listeners and having listener feedback and things like that. And I know it kind of comes and goes in phases as you know people just settle in and start listening to the show. But we need to we need to start yeah. figuring out ways to dig in there again. I was thinking we, of that too. We, we probably yeah. you know burned through a lot of our our ideas over the holidays, and now we're coasting, and we can't do that for our yeah. listeners. We,
1: we will we will straighten up. <laughs> That's all right. Get back in the swing of it. Well, what have you been reading, Paul? Yeah, I have been reading several different things. A lot of my reading recently has been heavily influenced by a couple of reading groups that I'm currently in that I've mentioned in the past. Um, this one will be a recurring theme throughout 2023, but I'm still involved in that year-long read for Joseph and His Brothers by Thomas Mann um, we're coming up on probably roughly the 200 page mark, I would say. So, Ooh. you know, almost done, you know, no, yeah. it's like 1500 pages. So it definitely <laughs> will take all year, but, um, yeah, it's been a very interesting experience. The, the introduction is very esoteric and, and fascinating, but not necessarily easy, I would say. And so that mm-hmm. takes up, you know, I'd even seen some people recommend that you start elsewhere within the book and then go back and revisit that. But oh, wow. I did not. I, I went ahead and plunged through that. And then now, you know, making my way through getting my, you know, feel of it. The first quarter of the book has a lot more to do with Jacob than Joseph. Um, so it's focusing a lot on him. And, you know, it's taken a while to kind of catch the rhythm. It's very different than The Magic Mountain. It, it's it's an odd book for sure, but also really fascinating. And um, one thing in particular that I've really enjoyed is, he kind of explores the various religions and beliefs that were swirling around the area during this time. And so there's like these passages that go into astrology and mysticism, but then it's also like focusing on kind of the emergence of how monotheism was starting to make its way in and stuff. So it's really, like I Hmm. said, I'm still 200 pages in, not exactly sure what to, to make of it, but I find myself more and more compelled and kind of swept up in it. So that's one thing. And then the other reading group, which I think will sound familiar to you, Trevor, is um, joining in with Kim. I told you, you know, I wasn't necessarily going to jump into every um, book for her NYRB women's reads this year. And you probably remember the hashtag. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, name. it's NYRB women 23. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So but um, Vicki Baum's Grand Hotel came up and that was one I had had on my shelf for a long time during our hotels episode, you know, Jackie brought it up and and that kind of re-sparked my interest. And so when I saw this, it was too good to pass up. So yeah, I have uh, been reading that. And for one thing, the beginning of that, I just love the cast of characters and the way that she introduces them. Um, I saw somebody say it's almost like a play. And I Mm -hmm. think that's very accurate at the beginning, but just this cast of odd characters um, has been really compelling. And there was just a quick excerpt. I was going to read that just an example of, of how, her writing style kind of lays out what these characters are thinking, which I think is really well done. So it says being alone. He knew what that meant. This was more or less what he said. He was too alone in Berlin. Absolutely alone. He had cut the threads. He had se- severed various ties. Such were the carefully chosen phrases he used. And now he was alone in Berlin. After spending all his life in Fredersdorf's, he felt stupid, of course, in a great city, but not so stupid that he could not see his own stupidity. He knew little of life, but now he wanted to get to know it. He wanted to know life as it really was. That was why he was here. But, he went on, where is real life? I've not come on it yet. I've been to a casino, and here I am sitting in the most expensive hotel, but all the time I know it isn't the real thing. All the time I have a suspicion that real, genuine, actual life is going on somewhere else, and is something quite different. When you don't belong to it, it's not at all so easy to get into it, if you see what I mean. Yes, but what's your notion of life? said Dr. Odenschlag. Does life even exist as you imagine it? The real thing is always going on somewhere else. When you're young, you think it will come later. Later on, you think it was earlier. When you are here, you think it is there, in India, in America, or somewhere. But when you get there, you find that life has doubled back and is quietly waiting here, here in the very place you ran away from. It is the same with life as it is with the butterfly collector and the swallowtail. As you see it flying away, it is wonderful, but as soon as it is caught, the colors are gone and the wings bashed. I thought, oh, that was just hmm. such an excellent thought. And, and it captures so much of, you know, not only life, but that alienation of kind of being in a big city or at a fancy hotel. And, and you're like, wow, like this, this is all it is. Like, I, I had these expectations for it. And I really like how she captures that, but also then ties it into, you know, kind of the fleetingness of life and how you always feel like the next stage will be the one or in the past was the time that you really should have focused on. So Anyway, so yeah, I've been enjoying that. And then the one other book that I've been reading is Translating Myself and Others by Jhumpa Lahiri. Um, you know, we've talked about our love of her for a long time on this show, and this one's great. It's actually the second book on the art of translation that I've read recently after Kate Briggs' This Little Art. And I've just really enjoyed seeing the different ways that translators approach their craft and how personal it is for them. Um, this book in particular is made up of different pieces that Lahiri has written over the last, maybe not quite decade, but ever since she started kind of exploring Italian and she moved to Rome and her life took this very, her professional life and it sounds like her personal life took some very interesting turns. Um, but it's just really interesting to kind of read about her relationship with, um, not only Italian, but English and some of the other languages that she grew up being exposed to and just how it's all evolved and shifted over time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would definitely recommend that for anybody who is kind of interested in, you know, who maybe who enjoyed this little art or some of these other books on translation. This is another good one that kind of ties into that theme. So those are the three that have been keeping me busy these days.
0: Awesome. And they're also good. I know. <laughs> I know. I feel <laughs> like spoiled. I guess I don't know about Joseph and his brothers, but it sounds like that one's a good experience.
1: It Not is. For sure. It is. It's a good one to read slowly mm-hmm. and kind of digest. But Yeah. The, the combo of the three has been working really well.
0: Well, let me go on just a little bit more in Grand Hotel, if you don't yeah, mind, because that's, that's what not, I'm I love reading
1: it. as well. So the part that you read
0: is an exchange between my two favorite characters in, in the novel. It's a, a man who has arrived in Grand Hotel wanting to finally live a little bit mm-hmm. and realizing, hmm, I don't know if this is it and then the other man the more cynical one is a doctor who has been through a lot in his life who's basically got his bags packed he doesn't really care about life anymore at all bad combination yeah <laughs> you know, absolutely uh, for these two but they found each other here and the doctor keeps on kind of explaining things to this man who's shown up kind of thinking hey uh, i'm i'm going to finally break away from some of the the shackles and live a little bit. And the doctor says to him uh, that, you know, it's the same with the barstool. And he's like, what barstool? And he goes, the barstool you spoke of a moment ago. Barstools are not so very high, you said. You imagined they would be higher, eh? Didn't you say that? Well, then one imagines everything higher than it is till one sees it. You come on your travels from your little provincial town with false ideas about life. Grand hotel, you think. Most expensive hotel, you think. God knows what marvels you expect from a hotel like this. You'll soon know all about it. The whole hotel is only a rotten pub. It is exactly the same with the whole of life. The whole of life is a rotten pub, Er Kringlin. You arrive, stay for a while, and go on again, passing through. Isn't that it? For a short stay, what? What do you do in a big hotel? Eat, sleep, lounge about, do business, flirt a little, dance a little, eh? Well... And what do you do in life? A hundred doors along one corridor and nobody knows a thing about his next door neighbors. When you leave another arrives and takes your bed. (laughs) It's, it's, it's really good book. There are plenty of other characters, a lot of fun intrigue, but those are the two I'm like, what does it say about
1: me that these are the two I'm most uh, (laughs) like,
0: I want to read more about them.
1: Um, I noticed yeah, that too, yeah. and I'm glad you gave a little bit more of of the of the background because I know you've read it. And we got to have. cheat a little bit. Yeah, that. I like that. <laughs> no, I, this is your second read, right? Second yeah. time through it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The first time was clear back in 2016, though, which doesn't sound like it's
1: that long ago to me, but it's been a while. <laughs> I know when you revisit books, even if you look at, you know, like you said, if it's been 2016, it's like, oh, I should remember most of that, and uh-huh. at least for me, that's not always <laughs> the case.
0: Well, the other book that I'm reading is one that comes out this very week um, from Transit Books. It's The Birthday Party mm. by Laurent Mauvignier. My gosh, Paul. This book has been a, a, an absolute shocker. It's translated by Daniel Levin Becker, who is an an, an American writer who is tied with the ulipo uh, mm. movement. It is amazing. The, the, the book itself is... And I, I didn't know very much about it, but it's kind of a thriller, uh, but a very, very literary I'm gonna write page long sentences. and uh, Daniel Levin Becker translates these things so well. I mean, I, I guess I, I can't read the original, but what I'm reading here is is remarkable. And the very first page is is its own full sentence. And the thing that I love about it, it's an actual sentence. It's not one of these where someone's just putting in a bunch of semicolons or, or commas to connect what could really be sentences to kind mm-hmm. of, um, uh, you know, mimic a, a, a free flowing uh, train of thought, which I like that. That's fine. Um, but this is a sentence with clauses that are linked together the way that you'd map them out in, in English class. And it's it's just fascinating. Um, this is, uh, a big thing throughout apparently, because when I've, when I finished reading a bit last night, I thought, oh, what's going on with this book? Like, what, what are the reviews? I want to know what people are saying about it. Cause I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And one of these serendipitous moments, um, Martin Riker, who was oh. the guest lecture I just read and we yeah. talked about him and, and the Dorothy project and his uh, wife, Daniel Dutton, um, a, a bit over the last month or two, he reviewed it for the New York Times, and he just has great. I mean, he's he's a great writer in and of his own right, and has great things and a great way of saying th- these things about the sentences in this book. But it is captivating as well. It's not just like, "Oh, that was a beautiful sentence." You know, right. that's all there is to it. Um, I am. I didn't want to stop reading um, last night, and. I I was a little bit intimidated because, you know, these, the the text is a little bit small and it's a 400 page book, but I thought, no, it's coming out this week. I want to get going, man, completely, completely pulled in. Um, these, these lush uh, complex sentences are a delight to get lost in and kind of figure your way through. And, and I mean that, I don't mean that it's an intellectual delight. I mean, I am, I am thrilled by this thrilling introduction to these characters and to this book that takes place in rural France in a little hamlet with three homes. One is owned by a man named uh, Patrice and he has inherited the, the hamlets, his hamlet, basically the family farm and his wife, Marion and their daughter Ida live there. And then they have a neighbor named Christine who is about 12, you know, in her late sixties, who is an artist who lives there. The other house is uh, unoccupied. It's, it's for rent or for sale and it's, it's Patrice's wife's 40th birthday. And so he's planning on this thing and I haven't quite gotten very far, but the, the, the way it begins is um, Patrice has taken Christine into town. He's got his own things to do and he's dropping her off at the police office because she has been getting these anonymous letters that are getting increasingly more and more threatening. Thanks. But the interiority of these characters, again, some people do this and it's like, Oh, that's really impressive. That's really cool. This is like impressive and thrilling and just enthralling this. This is, I've only read like 30 pages, but I'm like, this is probably going to be one of my books of the year. Wow. <laughs> it's, I mean, we'll, we'll see, but yeah. I am that delighted with what I've gotten so far. And so strong recommendation for the birthday party, at least the first 30 pages, if that's all you're you're interested, if that's enough to sell it, you know, I'll, I'll be back with more. I'm sure it'll probably yeah. take me a few weeks to read it. Although at the rate that you're going so far, it sounds like maybe you'll finish it tonight. We'll see. We'll see. I've been reading, a lot. It's been a lot of fun, yeah. um, but a lot of it has been because I'm pacing myself through books, and so I'm able to, to to handle short ones and longer mm-hmm. ones without feeling like any of them are crowding out the others. It's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. I'm it glad really it's working awesome. so well.
1: That's
0: cool. <laughs> but all right. As we said at the beginning, this episode, we're going to devote some of our affection to books. It's Valentine's Day. It's that time to be, you know, romantic and and a, a little bit um, cheesy Mod- perhaps <laughs> I was gonna say modeling <laughs> so we have come up with several categories um, that I'm kind of, uh, that we 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 didn't really sit down and discuss this that'll that'll surprise nobody so I don't know exactly what they're gonna how we're both going to take them but one a book you broke up with mm-hmm. the next one a book that you regret. It just wasn't meant to be a fling, a book where, you know, it's complicated, uh, a book where you'd be able to talk about as love at first sight, a book you'd love to check out and a book you'd love to get your hands on. And then lastly, a book with which we have a committed long-term relationship. So let's dig into here. Into these, Paul, we, we, We'll see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> People need to let us know how
1: this how this worked out. <laughs> I think it'll be fun. So are we starting with book we broke up with, right? Yeah, exactly. So what is a book
0: that you broke up with, Paul? And tell me a little bit about how, how that went. You know, was it you?
1: Was it the book? <laughs> it's 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 never it's it's never the other person, right? It's not you, <laughs> it's me. Um Yeah, actually I do think that's probably the case in this one. Um I don't actually break up with books all that often for the simple fact that I feel like by the time that I usually start to read a book, you know, thanks to to you and so many of our friends out there and, and the amount of time I do kind of researching and culling and mulling and thinking about books, like often by the time I dive in, I'm pretty sure it's going to be something I'll at least appreciate if not enjoy, but there are exceptions. And unfortunately this one was, it's uh, The High Sierra, a love story by Kim Stanley Robinson. Um, I had never read any of his books before, but I know, I don't, I believe you. And I, I know Dorian and a few other people have read some of his books. Um, and you know, I, not I me. Believe... They're not okay. Me. Okay. I've wanted to, yeah. but I haven't yet. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I,
0: this was my first. So you're saying he, his books. his books are available. Yes. Like I can,
1: I could, you won't they're be available. upset they're, if they're I They're on the market. The... Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but, um, this one, it's weird because everything about it seems like it should be right up my alley. You know, it's billed as a love story to the Sierra Nevadas. It's described as a gorgeous absorbing immersion in a place born out of a desire to understand and share one of the greatest rapture inducing experiences our planet offers. It's packed with maps, gear advice, more than 100 breathtaking photos and much more. Um, So I don't know, like when I heard about it, I immediately got it from the library because I was like, man, this sounds great. It's all focused on one area, which is, as I've said, something I really love. It's supposed to be really good nature writing it's from this author who i know people i respect you know really like him but man i just could not do it um for one thing it's almost 600 pages long and i mean it is gorgeous there's Mm. lots of photos and maps and different things in there which i liked but i got i stuck with it for a good 150 pages um but something about the writing just really threw me off it was a weird mix of like, it would jump around from deeply personal to very like geological, but like from page to page with like very little connection and something about his writing style for me, it was this, this the, the terminology that he used and, and it was like a very informal, but like almost in like a, I don't know. It's almost like a, I can't even describe what it was like. I could read a little passage and I don't know if this will convince anybody, but it's him and his friend who are kind of climbing up this mountain, and it says, Terry put on the jets as he passed them, shaking his head in silent disapproval of a group that big and slow. Not that we were the fastest people up there. A clutch of runners ran down past us, quadriceps bouncing four square over their knees. And like I said, I don't know that any particular excerpt is going to like prove my point but this is definitely, I hate book. it. Yeah. <laughs> Case closed. No. And like I said, I don't know. It. It is definitely, it's funny you mentioned that. I do feel like it's one of those, as I so often do when I quit a book, it's It's not the book. It's It's often me. Like this might be the perfect book for a lot of people. And based on what I see on Amazon and Goodreads, I think it absolutely is. I think there's a lot of people out there who are big fans of his or who really love this. this book. But for whatever reason, you know, a combination of all those factors, we broke up. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we talk often
0: about getting on a book's wavelength, um, which almost sounds like your relationship with a book is, you know, a little bit based on physics, but it is chemistry as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's that, it's it's a, a mixture of things, and how will you combine with it? You know, your life experiences and and what it's trying to say and how it's trying to say it. I think you're a hundred percent right. Some things just work at at certain times for us and some things never will, but they work well for other people. And and there's no, you know, there's no reason to say in this particular case, it's because it's a bad book no. or because everyone else is wrong, which a lot of people go there, you know, but we don't do that with our, you know, relationships right you know i don't i don't have romantic feelings for so and so so why does anybody else <laughs> you
1: know exactly and
0: i know we're we're being a little bit silly here but but you know it is it is something i've tried to do a little bit better at not trying to say this book is great and therefore anyone who doesn't feel the same as
1: i do about it is clearly inept or a bad reader yeah. um, it's chemistry Yeah. And it's a dangerous thing to to start to like reading just like relationships. They're so personal. It's something I've told both of my boys, like when you get with your friends and and they have a friendship that you disagree with, or they are dating someone who you you don't like or whatever I said, tread carefully because those are the kinds of things where like you get into this. And just because somebody's not your favorite person doesn't mean that they're not a good fit for that other person. And I think that's very true with books too, because it, it is a very personal and emotional thing. And that's why, like I said, it's, it's very odd to me. Um, it's funny how on paper this, this book was written for me, but, um, yeah,
0: it's, yeah, it sounds just like something I might, you know, if I saw it in a second
1: hand, I'd be like, Paul, I'm picking this up for you. I know. Exactly. And, and <laughs> set me up. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Blind date. Um, no, who knows? Maybe someday I will rethink it and give it another whirl, but like I said, if it had been, you know, 200, 250 pages, I might have just stuck with it. But yeah. uh, one hundred fifty pages into six hundred pages, you know, it wasn't <laughs> meant, it wasn't meant to be.
0: Well, the book I broke up with is one I've already talked about because I had a similar thought as you. I don't break up with books very often, um, or at least it's not memorable. You know, I might have dipped my toe into something and decided it wasn't the time or not for me, and that's just not memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a book that I. Have tried to have a good relationship with many times. You know it. It's War and Peace. Yes, <laughs> I do. I sometimes feel like I should give War and Peace a call again. <laughs> you know, try to rekindle this this thing that we, we should have. It again, mm-hmm. like you said, kind of fits fits all of the boxes and there is a draw there, but it just hasn't hasn't ever Hasn't ever worked out, even though I feel a a real attraction to it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I really do sometimes think I need to just buckle down and actually do it. And if I sit and talk about this, I'm like, oh, I I probably should do it. But I've done that four or five, six times in my life, Mm -hmm. each time with the same end result. I just think it needs to be a clean break. But, you know, I have people like you. Who <laughs> complicate matters. Have had have had good relationships with these books. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't necessarily, you know, thrown my copies away or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see. It's how interesting. It
1: goes. Yeah. And it's we've talked about this. There are like maybe you know, in 10 years, in 20 years, it'll be that time. But it's part of the magic or, or the allure of reading to me is you just never know. And that's kind of what's so yeah. fun about it. It's so mysterious, but it may just be a case of two ships passing in the night. Could be. All <laughs> right. A book that you regret. It just wasn't meant to be. Yes.
0: I mean, this some one. of these are very closely related to other thing. I mean, I could say I could have put war and peace here. Maybe
1: mm-hmm. yeah. but that
0: does feel more like an actual breakup. Like we tried, it was ugly at times, sometimes thrilling, always promising. And then it just wasn't.
1: Yeah, no, this-
0: <laughs> a book, there are other types of books I just
1: regret it. Just never, you know, should should fit should should been right. You're right, just wasn't this meant is, to be. This is one that I yeah, it almost immediately popped in my mind when you mentioned this because it came fairly early when I was kind of making several of these books. I noticed came during my you know how you go through different transitions and we've talked about this where I was starting to explore you know quote unquote literary fiction or starting to expand my horizons to discover all these different types of books were, that were out there. And this one was talked up so much on some of the forums and different places where I was around that time period that I got my hopes up really high. And the book is House of Leaves by Mark Danielewski. Um, I'll just, you know, a lot of people may be familiar, but it's basically centered. I, I'll just read a little bit from Wikipedia because I don't think I could summarize it. It came out in two thousand. Um, It centered on a fictional documentary about a family whose house contains a seemingly endless labyrinth. The format and structure of the book is unconventional with unusual page layout and style, making it a prime example of ergodic literature, which I don't know what that is, but contains copious footnotes, many of which contain footnotes themselves, including references to fictional books, films or articles. Uh, Some pages contain only a few words or lines of text arranged in strange ways to mirror the events in the story, often creating, you know, very strange effects. Um, At points, the book must be rotated to read. Um, So, you know, reading all that again, it's like, at least in theory, like that sounds pretty cool. And when I yeah, (laughs) it's had so much hype surrounding it when you know, and I was like, it has like a lot of horror elements. There's this house where it doesn't fit into space the way that it should, and so there's lots of like they're doing measurements and it shows a certain thing, but then like people get lost in there for days. So like all of that, I'm like, Whoa, that just sounds so good. But I feel like this book is like the direct source of like many of my reading pet peeves. Um, I it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tricksy, you know, that term tricksy it, it's oh, not. And yes. I, in my opinion, at least it doesn't hold up. It, it's a lot of surface. There's certain words are blue every time they show up. Like they said, you have to rotate the book to read it. There, it was one of the first examples I had seen of like, you know, where the the text becomes so compressed that you can't even read it. Or on the flip side, there's like one word per page. And if that, it, if it had worked for me as a book, if I felt like he'd followed through on what he was trying to do, then I probably would have loved it. But for me, just the further on into it I got, it just lost its way. And, and I felt like it was like, all surface but no depth underneath it so yeah it it wasn't meant to be for the simple fact that like i tried i really did try got my hopes up and again it it, like you said in some ways it's similar to uh, the book i broke up with where in theory it should have been something probably that i i might have liked and i know again a lot of people love it a lot of people when i've seen like lists of like what was the most you know important book so far in this century and like some people mm-hmm. mentioned this book and but to me it was just the emperor has no clothes i guess kind of a thing huh. so,
0: yeah dang did you finish it
1: i did yeah i did i mean so, it was so you didn't break up with it i didn't that's break what, up with it that's where i felt like this one regret it wasn't meant to be because it could have been the beginning of a beautiful relationship yeah but it wasn't <laughs> mine's kind of similar i did finish the book and have
0: regrets because i it's an author who i feel like i should like and and there it's the first one that really kind of made a splash in the english language and there've been two more since that have come out and one coming out here in a couple of months and i've never read any of the rest of them though i'm kind of like well i probably should i should there should be more here Uh, But it's Han King's The Vegetarian, uh, Mm. which was translated by Deborah Smith, um, whom I really like and and all of that. uh, I don't know. Did you read The Vegetarian? I did not, but I know that many, many people did. Yeah, it seems everyone else felt pretty strongly about it. I I did like it, and probably part of the issue for me was I read it after I'd read so much like This Is It, and it's Mm -hmm. getting, you know, big big attention nationally, you know, for, especially for a book of translated fiction. And it just, you know, I I thought it was, it was funky and in a good way, but kind of cold in a bad way. I didn't, I didn't ever quite know what was what I was doing with it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just, I wish it worked. I mean, I, I've wanted, I think that the white book and human acts both have good covers Mm. And Sound Intriguing. And then Greek Lessons that comes out here in a few months. It sounds intriguing. Um, she did have an excerpt from Greek Lessons in the New Yorker recently. Um, it's about a woman who loses her voice during a Greek lesson class. And the professor is is losing his eyesight. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. that 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 in and of itself does not captivate me. That sounds... Mm weird like what's i i don't know if i need to i need to try it out and just see maybe
1: but maybe again it's just not meant to be right it's interesting but with both of ours for the ones that wasn't meant to be there was an expectation going into it you know we had heard it talked up or some people were raving about it and often you know i mean I feel like we're both pretty independent readers in a lot of ways. Like we're not necessarily led by the zeitgeist, but there are times where, you know, mm-hmm. Ken or, you know, Solenoid or all these different books that kind of get a lot of buzz. I mean, I, I like that and I enjoy it and I get excited mm-hmm. and often it does pay off, but it, I, I wonder sometimes if the expectations, you know, that you have going into a book like this might end up being part of the reason that you just, you know, can't make it work. Yeah. Any flings you want to bring up, Paul? Flings, Sorted yes. or whatever they are, they <laughs> might be. <laughs> well, I thought about this, and the way that I decided to define it was something that worked really well for a short period in its time, but when you revisit it, it just you know doesn't hold up, doesn't stand the test of time. Um, so for me, that was uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Eugenides' The Marriage Plot. Um, um, again, this was... It's interesting. A lot of these books that came to mind for me did come up around the same time period in my reading. And I don't know if that was like a formative time where, like I said, I was starting to kind of spread my wings and just see what else was out there. But I first read it pretty shortly after it came out. So somewhere probably around 2012 and I had previously read and really enjoyed both the Virgin suicides and Middlesex. Um, and like I said, it was part of my kind of, maybe he was maybe one of the people Mm -hmm. who kind of led me into this whole idea of whatever literary fiction means, but you know, that idea of just what it, what it might mean. Um, there was roughly a 10 year gap between Middlesex and then this one. So when it came out, you know, I was really excited and snatched it up. And at the time I, I remember I enjoyed it pretty well, or, you know, I, I did enjoy it, but um, I don't think it quite ever matched up to the previous books in my mind. But, you know, when you read about it, it's like about this woman who's a, an English major, she's writing her senior thesis on Jane Austen and George Eliot. You know, it kind of explores the whole idea of the marriage plot that, you know, lies at the heart of a lot of these, you know, great, you know, literary novels. And uh, but it kind of like puts a a modern spin on it, I guess. And so, you know, like I said, when I read it, I thought it was pretty good. But I tried to reread it um, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a year ago. And it just, you know, fell pretty flat for me, it didn't hold up at all. So I do think, you know, the idea of a fling, maybe in the time period, you have some affection for that, that author, you are at the right point of your life where you maybe give it more of a benefit of a doubt than you would later, or it just hits you a certain way. (laughs) And there are those cases where rereading can be a wonderful experience. We've talked about that, but there are sometimes those cases where you realize, you know, you've moved on, you know, it's, it's no longer going to work. And that was definitely a case for this one. It's, it's not a bad book. I wouldn't say anything like that, but it just maybe either of its time or at least not for (laughs) me anymore. Oh,
0: different different take on a fling i mean mm-hmm. you're 100 on but my fling is books like again a series that i've talked about and i'm up to date it's jim butcher's the dresden files these oh, yeah. books about these books about i mean honestly paul whenever someone when i was carrying those around that's what i was reading someone'd be like oh what's your reading uh <laughs> yeah let's see well it's a book about a wizard who's a PI in Chicago, (laughs) you know, it's so, so like what, how do you even talk about it? But I had a great time, you know, (laughs) I had a great time. I admit I don't feel a lot of connection to it beyond that great time. You know, that's Mm -hmm. about, that's about what it is, but there's another one that'll come out here in a year or two. I'm going to, revisit this i'm going to go back to it you know i'll have another great time i'm i'm confident in it
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: that to me that that kind of just had a, a a bit of a of a feel of a fling to me like mm-hmm. you know yeah I, i'm in i'm in i don't have to remember it
1: afterwards All right <laughs> and i, I probably like won't tell everybody about it <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i like that definition yeah you set your expectations ahead of time you know what you're getting into yeah, but I did enjoy them. You know, I really did. And my brother-in-law um I got him
0: to start reading them and we were we got to where we were basically reading the same ones at the same time. And it's not like we had these deep conversations about these books. It was more like, "Hey, can you believe that happened?" "Oh, I know, that's crazy." And that was about it. You right. know, that was about it. There's not a whole lot more to to discuss in them, but we are looking forward to them. They they are they are fun. I'll still consider them fun
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm glad that I found them. They, they fit that, that need. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I like that. Our next category is it's complicated. It's complicated. And I yeah.
1: excited to hear what you have to say here. Okay. This is something that uh, I have a hard time even talking about it. I've mentioned it before. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> so a <good> introduction. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Toni Morrison and Beloved in particular. Oh, um, it's okay. complicated. It is. It really is. I've read it twice. I've read Beloved twice, along with several several other of her b- books, because it. I know that there is so much there. I can see it. I can feel it. I'm aware of it. I admire it. I respect it. But I just don't love it. Um, I absolutely understand the importance of her works, and I'll I'll kind of keep it focused on Beloved. But this is true of all of the ones that I've read um you know the reason that it's revered but I've just never been able to connect with it on the level that I feel like I should and that's why it's complicated it's I can feel the draw I I understand the power and the value of it um and, and I will continue to read her for those very reasons and I keep hoping that someday the light bulb will go on and I will just suddenly be you know flooded with you know not just respect but but the love that I feel like these books probably deserve in a lot of ways but You know, I don't know. I've debated about this like a couple a year or so ago, Kim McNeil and I read one of her other ones, you know, kind of as a buddy read together. And again, I I enjoyed it, but I just couldn't quite feel that reverence and and love for it that I feel like so many people do. So this has been Hmm. going since college when I first read beloved. So it's a, it's a tangled, complicated relationship that spanned over decades. And I, you know, not that I feel guilt, cause I don't think that's what books are about, but if there was ever a book that I felt guilty that I couldn't quite find that level that I want to with, it's probably beloved. Um, so
0: yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I yeah, i i I've, I had the same experience with Beloved um, mm-hmm. as well, and i I read it a few times. And even when I was back teaching, i I put it as an option for an assigned reading. Like with my students, I never uh, in the literature classes I was teaching, I, I we would have our assigned reading from the curriculum and all of that. But I wanted them to to read some contemporary works that they might not ha- have any experience with. You know, it it, it was a an American literature class. And I didn't, I didn't want them just to be reading, you know, Henry James and, and, you know, going back that way. And so I even put that one as an option for them to read because I wanted to dig into it more and be able to help them through it. And I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it a lot, but yeah, it's not one of my favorites. I, I want to read more of hers. So maybe I'm in a similar boat. I haven't actually read any others of hers, which I, you know, I, I feel like I'm being negligent about. Part of my my whole hopes is who I am as a human being, right? Uh, and that I that I should be able to get behind it and support it and and proselytize for it because it's important. And she's a Nobel winner, uh, an American uh, writer female black, you know, such important historical, um, stories and contemporary resonance that is just vital. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I it feels a little bit like I'm not who I think I am. I know that's <laughs> what I mean. I,
1: it's, it, it haunts me. It really does. It, and like I said, that's not a normal, that's not something I necessarily think that reading should do or, or needs to be about, mm-hmm. but at the same right. time, you know, there are, yeah, I don't know. Um I don't know how it is complicated. that's why I can't really seem to talk too clearly about it, but it's funny it's it's spanned a long time and it keeps coming back to me and I'm sure I'll keep you know scratching away at that itch and trying to figure out what it is. You know, I plan to continue to read her work, and I have a whole shelf full of her books that you know, I plan to read, so I will report back. Sounds good. Sounds good.
0: I will. I I think I might read one or two of them this year. Hmm. Uh, For first off, uh, one of the, you know, that bookmark I was telling you about that my wife is doing at the library, the fifty book challenge. Um, I have seventeen or eighteen of them already stamped. Oh wow! You know, and but a couple of them, one's an American classic, and I still don't know what to read for that. And the other one is a banned book, and for both of those, I thought, well, I should. I should take this as an opportunity to read more Toni Morrison. So. Yeah, that would be a great way to do it. Um, all right. My It's Complicated, I, I, I think it's interesting. I also went with an uh, author more mm. than a particular book. But mine's an author I do love, mm. pulls me in, and I feel like maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> And I'm wondering how you'll respond to this um, if you're feeling the complications of over the last ten years in particular, Philip Roth
1: mm. mm-hmm. I
0: love his books. they are a big part of who I you know uh, was as a reader you know fifteen 20 years ago and and then throughout until he finished writing and I also kind of despise some of the stuff in them. Yes. I despise some of what he has stood for. I, I don't think he was an evil, awful person because I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But there is something about that <laughs> there was an I think it was in The Guardian. Some someone wrote a, a piece on, you know, shouldn't straight white males also be able to write about sex and love and their entanglements? And I'm like Pfft. <laughs> uh have you ever read a book by a straight white male especially right. over the 20th century there's uh, no shortage yeah yeah be um, fine. but you know him in particular and just the the treatment of women and i'll say it came to the fore with uh blake bailey's biography right right, right. that was so infuriating to me what happened with that not what norton did by pulling it and uh, but what Blake Bailey did because yeah. I was reading the biography when all that happened. They, they sent me an early copy. I'd been looking forward to it for like a decade. You too. I'd been in touch with Blake Bailey. We'd, we'd chatted about it. And as I'm reading it, I'm sitting there thinking, what is going on? There's so much in here that is the stuff I don't like Yeah, and seeming to treat it f- like fun and like, You know, I don't know. It was like I was in reading a boys club book and I didn't like that. And it made me realize, you know, as it happened, part of this is because of like Bailey and who he turned out to be in his own, his own situation. Um, And the things that he might be attracted to in Roth's biography and in Roth's work. But I thought that's not what I like about Roth. So what, what is it that I do? Why? You know, sure. Mm he can write. sentence but why am I so captivated why do I really love some of his stories like the ghost Rider? I love the ghost Rider. it has an absolutely abhorrent ending I don't think the ending is wrong I don't think that it is it is something that we should you know I'm not saying the ending I hated the ending I think the ending is powerful but it's because it is so horrible and humiliating to a woman and there's so much of that in his books that I, I can't sit back and, and think, oh, I just love it unconditionally. Mm-hmm. So it's complicated. I don't quite understand it. Um, I don't agree with it. He and I, I, I knew this even when, you know, he was alive and I was reading his work. I'd never want to sit down with him. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he could be pleasant in his speeches and all, but I could never sit down and have a, a meal with him and, and chat about books in general or anything like that. Just not mm-hmm. someone I would have ever been able to get along with, I don't think. Um, so what is it about his books? I don't know. I don't know, but that's, that's the, the complicated one for me. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a Roth episode someday or something like that, where I can really try and therapeutically get my way through this. Or maybe we just won't because, you know, some of these things are a big part of our pasts and it's okay to move on. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great example. And I mold over taking a similar approach. I mean, he did come to mind for me and, you know, there are other authors where it gets complicated with that whole tension between the author as a person or what they may have stood for or things they did in their life versus the work itself. And I know that's a huge discussion that, mm-hmm. you know, we could have whole episodes about that. I remember Mark Haber talked about um, Celine, um, you know, Death on the Installment Plan and some of those that were some of his very favorite books that New Directions ever published. But he brought up the fact of the complications that come with yeah. the, the biographies of these people. And sometimes it's, yeah. you know, political, sometimes it's other things like their treatment of women or things that they've said. I mean, these days, social media, there's, you know, the JK Rowling stuff, or just, there are so many things where it does get complicated. And and I don't know that there's always a right answer to the way that it handles it. So,
0: and I think for me with this Roth stuff, if i have I don't have any daughters, I have four sons but and 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 but my wife and such, if I can't recommend these books to them mm. because they're offensive,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what's up then you know because mm-hmm. I have thought about that in the past, no, you will not like these books by Philip Roth, right they don't treat you well, I love them, but you know, and it's just so I don't know it's it's tough, it's tough yeah.
1: no that's really really important point yeah no we should get back to the love yeah we should love
0: (laughs) uh, sorry i don't want to cut you off though do you No, no no i was just kind
1: of yeah it's just i guess love is complicated we'll just put it that way it it can be it it doesn't always And um, and not always
0: pretty either not always sometimes you love something that you really objectively should not right and it's okay to explore that a little bit, but mm-hmm. there's not always valent- a
1: logical answer, though, right?
0: It's Valentine's Day love we're talking about today, right? Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we get oh, back right. to that that romance and that infatuation and Let's and the the, to the the candy deep hearts. meaningful stuff? Yeah, exactly. The candy hearts, the deep meaningful <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I heart you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that actually works. What's the next one we
1: have on here? Is love at first sight? Yes. So. The way I took this one is I was walking through a bookstore one day and I was just kind of cruising over the shelves. And I ended up in, as I've told you, sometimes I'll end up in the nature section. Um, and this book just jumped out to me. And it's, I've talked about it a little bit before. It's Annals of the Former World mm-hmm. by John McPhee. I just, I don't know what it was. It, it's big, it's thick. The cover is really fascinating to me. It has, you know, like kind of this really interesting like line drawings of, of, you know, mountains and, and things like that. And it, it, I don't know, you know how that is when you're in the bookstore and all of a sudden there's just this book that calls out to you and the, and you don't even know really anything about it. And that was the case for this one, but I, I picked it up. And the more I read, it was not only low at first sight, but I thought there might really be something there, you know? Um, so it says for much of 20 years, John McPhee traveled back and forth across the United States in the company of geologists, his aim was to write a complex work describing a cr- cross-section of North America at about the 40th parallel, and in so doing, to give an account of the deep history of the continent, 4.6 billion years, as well as the science of geology and the styles of the geologists he traveled with. And so, you know, I, not only was it love at first sight, I picked it up and started reading the cover and I just I just grabbed it right away, you know, sight unseen, or, you know, not, not sight unseen, but just not knowing anything about it. Um, but this is where I admit to another thing that often happens with uh, love. I've put it up on a pedestal. I have no so afraid <laughs> to uh, dig in through, like, going with it. You admire it from afar. Exactly. I just, I just gaze on it. Idealized on it. this mm-hmm. goddess. <laughs> exactly. So I have, you know, full confidence that whenever I do dig in and I've listed it, I think probably multiple times as a book that I plan to get on this year, you know, bucket list book or whatever. I mean, I still am pretty infatuated with it and can't rate, wait to read it. But yeah, it was definitely one of those where it, <laughs> it was just, yeah, I wasn't planning on picking it up. I I didn't search for it that day, but our eyes met across yes. the crowded bookstore and we were off.
0: And now you're all for it. Exactly. Just haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> just haven't read it. There's the only it's, minor detail. It's so fascinating to me because mine is also a book I have not read yet. you know our minds must go in similar places love at first sight for me it's a little bit of an interesting thing it is a book i'd heard about before um both on backlisted pod uh jackie talked about it on our hotels uh episode it's margaret kennedy's the feast Hmm. but have you seen the mcnally editions edition of this book it comes out in june no it's just one of those things where i go okay i i could go and find this right now i could find an old copy i could i could get it on kindle you know it's available i want that edition right and i know i'm going to love it it's so i don't know it's not it's not like it's this i don't know it's just It just struck me when I saw it in their new cover design, Mm -hmm. uh, I just thought that I need that one. That is the one for me. That's it. Mm. I haven't read it yet. I'm going to love it. And yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. And I see it around, you know, I, I see people are getting like early copies of it already. So I don't, I don't know when I'll be able to get a copy of it, but yeah, love at first sight. Again, a book I haven't even haven't even read yet. It's it's all about the visuals here and mm-hmm. and what it makes me think of and how I imagine this relationship is going to be. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. I just looked up the cover; it is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it just it just hits me in the right spot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There there have been plenty of books like that in the past. Like I've t- I talked to you about uh, the lonely passion of Judith Hearn, the Brian Moore book. At the cover by NYRB Classics is one that I just saw in the bookstore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't even think I browsed anymore. I picked it up, went to the front, checked it out, and then I started reading it, and yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. So that one certainly could have applied here, but I, I also went with one that right now is still on the love at first sight phase yeah. of this
1: relationship. <laughs> we don't want to hear back. We just want it to stay fresh and and beautiful like this. We don't want to hear back when it's tattered and you know, right. You've fallen out of love. And... <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. No, I hope I have not either. And based on <laughs> everything that I've heard about it, I doubt it will. It does really does sound like there's a lot of substance. It's not just yes. on the surface. No, I'm excited about it. And again, excited for that very
0: edition. I mean, I refuse now to yeah, I can see ever that. read another edition of it. So, <laughs> nice. well, the next one, a book we'd love to check out. Mm-hmm. I'm curious it's... about this because it, you you texted me and said, Hey, what's the difference between a book we'd love to check out and a book we'd love to get our hands on? And what I don't uh, you know, I don't know. Tell me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I the way I went with and I don't know if this is what you ended up so I, I took it literally, check out, you know. I think if we're yep. gonna go that way. Yep. So the library would be the way to go. And <laughs> um if we're thinking about that, I mean it does tie in pretty well to my approach to the library in general, where it's books that I'm not necessarily willing to commit to um or books that I would not otherwise get to if I like realistically I have thousands of books in my home those are the ones for the most part that I have you know picked up and bought but there are still you know as I try to think of my bulging bookshelves and our budget and all those things you know there are those books where you're interested but you don't necessarily know that you want to pull the trigger and so often that is what I will do for you know a library book so the one that came to mind for me is one that I've had on my um, kind of library wish list for a couple of years now. And it's called your house will pay by Steph Chaw. I first heard about it on literary disco. And the reason that I think I would probably go with the checking it out rather than fully committing to it is it's a crime fiction book, which is not necessarily something that I usually read a lot of. And even if I did, I don't know that it's necessarily one that I would need to own and maybe I'll be proven wrong and maybe I'll fall in love and buy it. But, um, you know, I read, I read a lot of Richard Price, who is kind of a crime writer and I really do like his stuff. And there, so there are exceptions to this, but generally that's not a genre that I, I go into, but literary disco did a whole episode on this book. And by the time they were done, I had added it to my list. Cause it really does sound like it would be, you know, really, you know, something that I would, I would go for it's, it's won a lot of awards, not that that matters, but you know, I think there is a lot of like literary chops to it as well. So I'll just give a quick, uh, Summary, it says, in the, wake, uh, in the wake of the police shooting of a black teenager, Los Angeles is as tense as it's been since the unrest of the ner- early 1990s. But Grace Park and Sean Matthews have their own problems. Grace is sheltered and largely oblivious, living in the valley with her Korean immigrant parents, working long hours at the family pharmacy. She's distraught that her sister hasn't spoken to their mother in two years for reasons beyond Grace's understanding. Sean has already had enough of politics and protest after an act of violence shattered his family years ago. He just wants to be left alone to enjoy his life in Palmdale. But when another shocking crime hits LA, both the Park and Matthews families are forced to face down their history while navigating the tumult of a city on the brink of more violence. So I don't know. It's just, Mm -hmm. like I said, after hearing them talk about it for an hour and they were just raving about it and saying how good and compelling, but powerful it was. I was like, okay, I'm willing to kind (laughs) of give that a, a try, even though it doesn't sound like something that would normally be in my you know, my normal range. So that's one. it's been a couple years. And so I haven't quite committed yet, but one of these days I'm going to check it out. <laughs> well, I had the same approach. I went with a book that I want
0: to check out at the library for a similar reason. It looks great. I'm kind of interested, but don't want to buy it. I don't want to own it. And I went with a book that's the only book I have currently on hold. So this is really a book I am going to check out okay. as soon as it comes back in. And I, I'm really excited. I don't have high hopes, but oh, it just—you know—the the the feel of this description. This is called "Keeper of Enchanted Rooms" by Charlie N. Holmberg. Not an author I know much about, but looks like someone that's been writing for a while. Rhode Island, 1846. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I like the setting. I like the year estranged from his family writer Merritt Fernsby a writer yes you, mm-hmm. got, you got me is surprised when he inherits a remote estate on the Narragansett, Narragansett Bay I don't know how to say that exactly sorry Rhode Island folk <laughs> um, though the property has been uninhabited for more than a century Merritt is ready to call it home until he realizes he has no choice with its doors slamming shut and locking behind him, Wimberl House is not about to let Merritt leave. Ooh. Ever. The ever is its own sentence is why I'm a little bit like, I don't know if this is cutesy, don't want it necessarily. But I do think that um, that setting and just the haunted house-ish kind of story, it sounds ah. fun. I don't know, you know. The thing about a book I can check out, give it a shot. Yeah, if I don't like it, no, I'll take it back to the library, and someone else I, can get it. You're not committed, not committed to it over any long period of time, and so that can be a problem too. Because I know I check out books that I I'm sure I would like, but because I don't have to commit to them, I don't commit to them. I don't. Right. I, I I just I don't know. It's a little bit weird. I have a I have a hard time sometimes reading books I've checked out from the library, and I think that might be it. Part of it, anyway. No, but I think listen, you're right.
1: It's it's that whole. It's like a psychological going into it, you have not really like given yourself over to the idea of, of giving it the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Yeah, no, I think I, I do and, that too.
0: And you only have a certain amount of time to commit to it. So I feel that pressure. It's like my family's telling me, Go on a date. Go and That's you'll right. love it. Go yeah. now. You, I wanna hear about it tomorrow. You know, we're gonna tell family. No. I mean, I'm not even going to go out on this date now. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I'm going to check it out and keep it on my bedstand until it's due and take it back.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I love it. That's funny. Yeah, that does sound very intriguing. You'll have to report back. I'll I'll let you know. Again, I don't have the highest of hopes,
0: but it sounded fun and I want to give it a shot. So cool. All right. Next one is a little bit problematic, Paul. I don't know where you took this, but be
1: careful. Book. We'd love to get our hands on. Yes, that is a little <laughs> problematic. No, this one probably, for me, maybe crossed over a little bit. It could have been Love at First Sight, maybe a little bit. Um, and for me, it's it's one that might not be very original, because I think a lot of people would like to get their hands on this book, and some of you already have. It's the new translation of Kafka's Diaries by Ross Benjamin.
0: Oh, I, yes, and you do need to get your hands on, yes. on that. It is so pleasant to hold in your hands. ah. I mean just yeah. to talk about a book as something to hold and and look at and
1: even if you're not reading it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's one of those like so I said so superficial. <laughs> it is. And the funny thing is like I have read Kafka but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I've read a lot of his stuff and so it's so funny that for me this is a case of of definitely we talk about the zeitgeist or the peer pressure and it's not pressure but just everybody is talking this book up and, and having such powerful experiences with it, like Merve Emre and uh, Mark Haber, I think, and, and a bunch of other people I've seen that are just like, you know, mm-hmm. you. And so I really am enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is one where I, I just can't wait to get it. I have a few gift cards from leftover from the holidays. They're kind of burning a hole in my pocket and I'm thinking it's meant to be. So I'm wondering <laughs> too, though, like, are you taking it as an inspiration to kind of, revisit or visit or delve into more of his works like is it kind yeah of a point for you because that's what I could see it being for me
0: yeah so I'm I am taking that I pulled all my Kafka down mm-hmm. so that I could do kind of a little bit of everything and just make this a fun venture into his work not like today yeah it is today but it's not meant to be just a short-term thing I just thought I want to I want to get to know more about all of this mm-hmm. and so yeah, I, I pull them out and have been delving into a little bit of everything, you know the the the, the fantastic uh, Rainer Stock uh, biographies that Shelley Frisch translated. Um, I've got those out. Mm. I've got Metamorphosis. I, w- I don't have it in here, but that that really fun Penguin uh, Deluxe edition of that. Oh nice. Um, yeah, it's been it's it's just exciting. Again, it's about that experience you just know you're going to have. Yeah. Um. By the way, so I don't know. I was charged twice for my copy, and this is not a cheap book. It's like forty. It was like forty five dollars. Yeah. And I was charged twice for it. And if I can't get that figured out, I want the other copy, and I'll send it to you.
1: <laughs> if well, I can get you.
0: it figured out, I'll get it refunded and, and right. do something else with that money. But uh, um, but if I can't get it sorted then i i may have another copy cuz oh. i i can see it on my on my statement i was charged twice wow
1: yeah like you and said that's not a that's not a cheap like a right. if that happened at a used bookstore you would say that's fine but right exactly yeah. exactly i i would use it
0: to go after the book i want to get my hands on Okay, I have a double volume, and each of them are expensive, like $40 per volume. Mm -hmm. But man, and and part of the reason it's expensive is they're expensive, but also you have to import these. It's the Penguin Book of French Short Stories, Volumes 1 and 2. These were edited by Patrick McGuinness and released by Penguin just last year in the UK uh, in October. Um, The first volume is from Marie de France to Marcel Proust and then the second volume uh, takes it from there from colette to marie and Dia. and they are they look beautiful and i just realize as i'm sitting here talking about this this is i don't think why but there's this, this beautiful art of a woman on the front mm-hmm. i mean it just and one of them is in normal you know the, the, the color uh, what you'd expect kind of realist and then the second volume is another uh, version of the painting where it's you know the colors are shifted it's bright red and dark blue background of the same the same picture um I should have looked up exactly what painting it is hmm. and, and who painted it I would imagine it's French Oh, I say that but my apologies but they they just you know there's these they're these big thick um uh hardback books ah I yeah. I want to get my hands on. it. I don't actually know if I'm going to. We'll see. Um, you have one, or you don't have either. I don't have either of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do, I don't know if I'm going to uh, order them um, from England, and who knows, pay what a, who knows what for them. Yeah. But that is that is a a,
1: a book. It's, you know, the <laughs> double volume that mm-hmm. I, I want to get my hands on. It sounds really good. You should see if Blackwell's has them cuz they are, you know, they have that wonderful free shipping to the oh, US. Yeah. Maybe that I would be I haven't looked to at that. It. Yeah. I have
0: not looked at that. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that right when we're done.
1: <laughs> yeah. We report back and I hope for your sake that you get the the refund the other <laughs> one so that you can go out and delve into it as much I, as the other I, option I appreciate that. Me. Yeah.
0: But like I say, if it doesn't work out, then I will set you. Up. Assuming they'll even give it, give me another. Maybe they're not. I don't. Who knows? It was right. Barnes and Noble. I don't okay. know what happened there.
1: Well, maybe but, one way or another, this book that we want to get our hands on, one of us will have. You know, th- the conclusion <laughs> of the story will be a happy one.
0: Right. One of us it'll be torn away, pining forever. That's right. And the, the other, other one, one will happily have ever after. Perfect ending. You know, Jane <laughs> Austen versus, uh, you know, uh, Charlotte Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's go on with the book with which we have a committed long-term relationship
1: yes this one as most committed long-term relationships will surprise no one i've been very public about it people have seen us together for years and years (laughs) they've heard about it david copperfield sometimes (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) david copperfield by charles dickens there's no other book that i could pick for a committed long-term relationship it's just been ever present in my life um from the time i was young watching my mom reading it once a year as i've mentioned to Me starting to kind of pick it up. And, you know, as you're young, you start to have that feeling of like, what is it that's so intriguing about this? And so you flip through it and look at some of the pictures or, you know, and then read a little bit and eventually delved into it. I've read it now twice um, and think about it all the time. I, I will probably read it again soon. Like my wife is reading it right now, you know. So it's just one of those that it's just part of the family, I guess, you know, just it's always like a like a committed long-term relationship. It's at all the family reunions. It's I've introduced it to all of the cousins, you know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah, um I don't know, I just love everything about him in general, but this book in particular, um, you know, just such a great cast of characters, all the dickensian, you know, messiness and drama and humor and sadness and all those things that draw me into him. Um, I feel like this book has has them, you know, overflowing. So yeah, I couldn't think of any other book that would be more of a good choice for me than that.
0: Oh, that's lovely, Paul. Lovely.
1: I love seeing you together, by the way. We're Thank a good you. good couple. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> We've, uh, uh, r- r- what is it, worn off all the rough edges?
1: You know, we just, we fit together perfectly. So,
0: Do do you have a particular edition that you
1: love? Just, uh, you know, to, to make this, again, Valentine's Day yeah. superficial. The funny thing is, not necessarily, and if anything, it would probably be this old, like, my mom, the version she always read was, I don't know if it was like a Reader's Digest, but you know, those kind of like faux fancy hardback mm-hmm. books that were, you know, I don't know if it was from maybe the 70s or the 80s. And she still has that copy. And that's the copy that I first read and the one that she loaned to me. So it's its not tattered. It's in good shape, but it's well read. Yeah. And that would probably be the one that would come to mind for me. I mean, I do right. have just like a Penguin paperback that I, you know, I've picked up. So there's no like specific attachment to that copy. But yeah, I would say that that would be the one, the one that my mom had and, or still has. And that was kind of the first time I read it. That would definitely be the one that I would associate with that.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's nice. And lovely. Lovely yeah. way for, for that to, to come together. <laughs>
1: for sure. Yeah, exactly. Listeners,
0: you should see Paul right now. He's beaming. He's I beaming am. talking about
1: David Copperfield. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those rare times where the uh, the love that your your parents tried to you know get you to, you know, she'd be perfect for you. Oh yeah. Right. They're right. <laughs> oh, wait. All right. All so. right. We're so happy. <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, well, my book is the, uh, collected stories of William Trevor. Yes. And in particular that beautiful penguin Viking, again, it came from the UK. My wife imported it for me, mm-hmm. um, good 15 years ago. Uh, it's a two volume set, You've probably seen it. I I take a lot of pictures on Instagram with it in the background because I love it so much, and it makes me look better. (laughs) It's one of those kind of relationships. right? (laughs) I'm a better person because of this book set. But in particular, I'm a better person, and I know this is true because of William Trevor's writing. Hmm. I have learned to be more compassionate, more attentive, more empathetic, more forgiving, more less judgmental, more or less judgmental. I don't know how to say that. Um but anyway, less judgmental, probably enough to say it like that. Um and just more accepting um about the people around me. Mm-hmm. But also more in tune with the vicissitudes of life. You know, uh, I go to these stories and you get humor and you get you get fun, you get love, you get sadness, you get loneliness, you get pain and terror and Um, intrigue and it's all done in such beautiful stories and beautiful writing and with a beautiful voice behind it I don't know William Trevor I've listened to a lot of uh, speeches by him Mm -hmm. and I don't know there's just something about I do think I could have been very happy sitting down and just listening to him for a while Mm. I, I do think that I would have loved to have known him as a person I don't know that's dangerous to do Right. But I kind of feel like, you know, I knew, I knew the opposite with Philip Roth. I think you know, he probably wouldn't have cared much to sit down with me. I don't know if I would have <laughs> added to this relationship, but it's someone that I just really respect his perspective on these things. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm completely wrong and it doesn't. I don't need to have him in the background, but I do picture him telling me these stories. I've listened to him read so many of them. Mm-hmm. On YouTube or on podcasts when he's when he's done those, you know when he did them
1: mm-hmm.
0: um I loved listening to him read these stories, and so yeah but this this particular set, if there was a fire in the house, I would you know probably not get any of these things out of it. I don't know, but I be, think yeah. this would be the thing I would go and grab because mm-hmm. I treasure it in in particular in this particular edition. And again, it's a gift from my wife. I don't I don't know how readily available these set this set is anymore. It doesn't have everything in it because he did write, you know, some more stories after it, mm. but it's pretty close. Yeah. And I've got the last stories as well. It sits right next to him. And that, so I think I have everything that he wrote in terms of short stories. Just sitting in the same place out in the living room, mm. where it's often in the background with my pictures, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I do remember you I remember seeing that in the background and it's absolutely beautiful. I, I remember you talking about it, and I've added it to my wish list, but I think it is relatively hard to find. um I haven't done mm. a ton of research because I have the selected stories that kind of bright yellow and purple mm-hmm. hardback, which is is beautiful in its own right it but, is yeah i I have
0: uh, had that in the past, yeah and then i did i think i gave it to someone cuz i didn't didn't need it you know
1: yeah no that the the copy that you have i i keep an eye out for it in used bookstores and if i'm ever lucky enough to stumble upon it i will definitely snatch it up cuz like you said it's absolutely beautiful so no that makes total sense i don't think anybody will be shocked by either of our long term relationships um no yeah
0: and that is that is okay i i'm i'm kind of i am curious i'm trying i don't i have a hard time even if i'm like trying to show somebody like, cause when I post pictures of it specifically, inevitably someone's like, what is that? Mm-hmm. And so I will, I'll send them, send them the thing. And sometimes I even have problems like finding uh specific pictures of it right. online or a place where it's even available. Yeah. Um, and it's also, you know, for example, I just clicked on one that I thought was it, but it's not, it's only $10 and it's just a soft cover, um, and it's the New York. So yeah, it's, you gotta be careful too. Cause if you click on this, the picture, it might not give you the actual, this edition of it.
1: Yeah. Right. But like I said, I always like having those, you know, those yeah. ideal experiences where like, as I'm nosing around in a used bookstore, you know, it's very unlikely that you'll ever find certain editions of a book, but but that's kind of the fun of it is like, if you ever do, it's like this, you know, the, the light shines from on high and the music starts playing. And so, yeah, no, that's, and, that's a great choice. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: fun. I thought that was fun, Paul. Thank you for indulging on this the kind of weird idea. But I, I enjoyed the conversation and I enjoyed, again, part of the fun of all of this is just to celebrate books and, and get excited. But I do find when I'm talking with you about these things and putting it in different terms and such, I learn a bit about me and about what I'm enjoying. It, it's a little bit reflective. It sticks a little bit more mm-hmm. and puts, um, puts some words to give it give all this some shape. I, I enjoyed enjoyed that.
1: I did too. Yeah. And I would actually just say like if anybody out there wants to join in the, the fun and the silliness yeah, absolutely. of it. Pick any of the categories that we chose, or or make up a few of your own related to love of books. Um, and we'd love to have you send them in, or or you know uh, on Twitter or however you want to do it. But it'd be fun to hear from people.
0: We need somebody to make like a graphic where people can can fill in their thing for Instagram yeah. or Twitter and just fill it in and let us know you know some of these categories. So just a recap, then, in case yeah. someone's listening who wants to do that, <laughs> a book you broke up with. A book you regret that it just wasn't meant to be. A fling. It's complicated. Love at first sight. Book we'd love to check out. Book we'd love to get our hands on. And book with which we have a committed long-term relationship. So that was fun. (laughs) That was
1: fun. I can't wait to hear if anybody has any ideas. And like you said, if there's any graphic artists or at the very least somebody who wants to, to they can hand draw it doesn't matter to me but that oh would no fun. it doesn't matter to me either i just don't know if i would do well with yeah with even know spreading the word on it <laughs> so. yeah absolutely no pressure if anybody wants to that would be fun but either way this has been a lot of fun and like you said it's just always a good time to kind of look at books through a different lens there's so many different ways to approach them mm-hmm. and you know i don't know it's 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 always interesting to kind of look at your bookshelves with something in mind and it's inspiring to kind of remind you of books that you might've forgotten about or that you'd like to pick up and lots of good stuff.
0: Well, listeners, we will be back after Valentine's day in a couple of weeks. We don't know exactly what our topics are going to be. We, we again kind of took the holidays and we've been relaxing, not Mm -hmm. that we haven't been reading or chatting, but, but some of that discipline to have multiple episodes planned out, you know, We'll get there. We will get that back up so that it's in our newsletter. might even be in this newsletter. Maybe we'll be able to talk a little bit offline and get some plans for the next few episodes solidified. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of ideas. It's a matter of just figuring out which ones feel like the right time for it. But we will be back soon. Let us know if you have any comments, feedback, or especially any of this book love. Love to hear about it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. You can follow the Mooks and the Gripes and get show notes and book and film reviews at mooksandgripes.com. On Twitter, you can follow Trevor at Mooks and Paul at BiblioPaul. You can also get information about future shows on our Patreon. If you'd like to donate to the show, anything and everything, even a dollar a month helps and is deeply appreciated, you can become a Patreon at patreon.com slash mooks. Until next time.